0: Listener Production.
1: Okay are, you okay, are you recording? Are you recording?
0: G'day, one and all. You are listening to episode 21 of the Howie Games Artist Series Part A, featuring the incredibly talented Anthony Kalea.
1: I pray you'll be our eyes and watch us where we go.
0: Now, I'm always impressed by people that can do things that I can't conceive, that I would have no hope of doing, talent that I simply do not have. Anthony Clare, Anthony Clare is one of these people because for me, to see Anthony sing, it is uplifting. It makes you smile to see someone who is just that good at what they do. I find it captivating. Anthony's incredible talents were revealed for the first time to the nation on Australian Idol, back when the show was
2: huge. I don't know what to say, I really don't.
0: That was,
1: uh,
2: I think it's probably the finest performance I've seen on that stage in two years, seriously.
0: Anthony has recently released a wonderful book called Behind the Voice. Behind the Voice. It is raw, it's captivating, it is brutally honest at times, but also it's uplifting, it is heartfelt. I couldn't put it down, read it cover to cover. Highly recommended from me. Also, check out Anthony's website to get details of his national up-close and unpredictable tour with his husband, Tim Campbell. anthonykalea.com is where you get all those details. Alrighty, let's get to it. This episode will make you smile and possibly cry, then smile again. Enjoy the story of Anthony Clear, showstopper. Welcome to the Howie Games, a man that... We've had many athletes on this show that have got talent, but this man, I've been invested in what he's been doing. I've really dug into it in the last week and he's as a talented guest as we ever had on this show. My family loves him. I'm a huge fan. I'm a little off-centre, and I'll explain why in a moment, but Anthony Collier, welcome to the Howie Games Artist Series, and it is so great to have you here. Oh, Thanks for having me. That's a very beautiful introduction. You can stay. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you can stay, because I've got to ask you straight away, strange thing to say, you always look fantastic, but you've waltzed in here, you smell good. You oh, okay. smell good. So we're completely we, honest. What, what are you going with? What are you going with? Because I just had a sticky on the way in. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Well, I've seen this about you. I don't know if it's an aftershave operation or what. We had. Um, it's called Smoke and Tom Ford. Right, right. Well, Smoke and Tom Ford. <laughs> um, brought to you by Anthony Clear. I yeah. like it. It smells good. I've got to tell you, I'm off centre because I never am late for a guest. So I often, and I'm conscious because we'll get to fashion. You are an extremely fashionable man. I am not, but I know what I'm comfortable in, which mm-hmm. I guess is important. I'm a jeans and thongs t-shirt man. Yeah. I often jump in the car um, with the thongs in the car and I like to drive barefoot. So I'm three of the way here and I realise, right, well, yeah. I've made the fatal error that I realised, shit, my thongs aren't in the
1: car. It's illegal though. Is it? I think it's illegal to drive with no shoes on. Scrap that. Scrap time. that. I always have.
0: <laughs> I always have shoes on. We're both going to jail. Right. But what happened, I realised my thongs aren't in the car. They have yarners. So I thought, oh, no, I don't have any shoes. At this point, I've ducked into South Wharf to try and buy a pair of thongs and got stuck in a car park in and later, jumped out of the car with no shoes, realised I had my runner's in the back of the tray of the youth. So now so I'm looking under the well, table. See, Hold on so I'm looking full Jerry Seinfeld ah. with the Asics and jeans you and with what? a normal sports guest, it's okay. But with a fashion icon, I feel very, you very... You look comfortable. And to be honest, I didn't dress
1: up today. I'm well, in shorts and a little wind cheater.
0: Well, but it's not a little wind cheater. Like, <laughs> I, I have a little wind cheater. Yours is a sort of, I, I don't know, this is not my area, but a nice sort of mo... I don't, it's not mohair, but I it's, it's, know it's good. I don't it. It's falling apart. It's good. <laughs> 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 it, it is truly great to see you. Congratulations on the book. I've spoken about it in the intro. I read it cover to cover uh, for the in three days. And often I skip through books when I have a guest and I, and I pick out the areas of importance. I read every word of it. It is a fascinating read into Anthony the singer. And I loved in the book how you introduced that Everyone in your family knew you as a kid as Anthony the singer, mate. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic read.
1: Oh, thank you. I must say, I was completely nervous about putting this book out. I'm not going to lie. It's the first time I've done something like this. And I'm used to going, you know, I'm used to expressing myself from a music perspective, but obviously putting and documenting your life into a book over 70,000 words. Mm. Yeah. I feel extremely vulnerable and I had to give it to my parents first because I'm like, there's stuff in there that I haven't spoken about before. And I just wanted to give them the respect to to ask me questions before it, you know, before anyone else reads this book. And it was, yeah, it was a very daunting process, I must say.
0: What's well, interesting you say that. I took various screenshots as I was going along, and mm. one of them, actually, it's probably better you, you read it. If you wouldn't mind reading me this paragraph, it, the word do is cut off, but just that first paragraph. So th- this hit me as soon as you started your book, and the first word is do.
1: I really want to release this book. Unlocking the emotional vault from the past has been so painful. I feel vulnerable yet privileged at the same time. My truth and my words are usually expressed through music, a form of expression I am comfortable with. But now there's no bells and whistles, lights or sparkly microphones to hide (laughs) behind. That's all been stripped away. This book is me naked on stage. I know, the visual,
0: right? (laughs) But it got me straight away. It got me straight away because I thought to myself, right, I'm not getting a glossed over book here about this or that. I'm getting Mm. your truth.
1: Well, that was the first thing that I said when I met up with Emma from my publisher. We had a meeting in Melbourne and she flew down from Sydney and she said to me, we're really interested in writing your story, in releasing your story. And I said, okay, I will do it on one condition, that you don't want a magazine-style book I want to be able to be truthful. And I know that I'm going to put myself in a vulnerable situation. And I know that we'll probably need lawyers involved. (laughs) But if I'm going to do this, I want to do it properly. And that's sort of the motto that I've taken, especially in the last few years as I've gotten older. Like in my early days, I was ticking everyone else's boxes because Mm. I thought that's what I had to do. But this time around, I'm like, no, even with my last album, like I didn't want to go through a record label. I, I wanted to take full control over it. And there's something really quite empowering and beautiful about taking control, but also putting yourself in a very vulnerable position. Um, And it's something that I haven't done a lot of in my past, but I'm loving doing it now. And that's the way that I'm moving forward. And I'm not here to please everyone. That's the other thing that I used to go through my twenties of just like trying to please everyone. And at the end of it all, I wasn't happy. Mm. So I'm like, I don't want to go through the rest of my life like this. Um, so yeah, that was that was definitely when we first started this book. If I'm going to do this, I want to do it properly and don't tell me what to write.
0: And it's not a magazine style book. No, it's it's, it's honest, it's uplifting, it's painful to read at times, which I'm sure will get to some of those areas. I, I, this show is ostensibly a sports podcast and then we brought out the Artist Series, which combines sport and art. And your beautiful publisher said, Anthony's happy to do it, but I'm not sure there's much sport you can talk about. And
1: that's what I said to Vic. I go, listen, can you please warn them that I have no knowledge of sport?
0: But, (laughs) but, seven pages in. I'm reading about a holiday period where you used to go to Anglesey and you're one of the great boogie boarders. So so well, there you go. I wouldn't use the word great. <laughs> but a boogie board, just lie there. That's So you're into boogie boarding. So that's I my hook here. Anthony Kalia, the singer, rides a boogie board. And I did try
1: and do, like, I was actually a good sprinter. Right. See, school. here we go. Here we go. No. Yeah, it was a good sprinter. I only did the 100 metres, so I could actually go to sports carnival days and I could just get it over and done with. Right. In like 12 seconds. <laughs> well, that is good. <laughs> that is good,
0: 12 seconds. Is it? That's good enough. Yes, it that is, number. Anthony. <laughs> that, that's good.
1: But you're a boogie boarder down the coast? Yeah, in Anglesey. That's right. where Right. Um, we used to go on our family holidays, and I absolutely loved it. And I think the fact that my entire family was there most of the times that I was there just made it so much more enjoyable. And, you know, those times were so different back then. And mm. it was it was simple. And I knew no better. Like I was honestly so excited every time Mum and Dad said, We're going to Anglesey this weekend. And, you know, I think I was in high school before we actually before I even experienced what a plane was. Right. So um
0: that was that was holidays. What what was the what was the house in Anglesey? Describe it so for me. It
1: was initially, yeah. initially because I come from an Italian background. Yeah. So initially it was this like old fibro house on this big block. And we were all crammed in there. The toilet was disgusting. <laughs>
0: Um, it's funny what sticks in your mind.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was so bad. And there was like fruit trees everywhere. But being, you know, being the good wogs that we are, in my um, <laughs> non-no is a builder, my dad's a builder, my two uncles are builders. So I come from a family of builders. And they're obviously they're aim was to knock down that fibro house and put up townhouses and that's what they did they put up i think 10 townhouses and my non nonno kept the front one cuz it was a little bit bigger and he could put fruit trees in the middle of it all and everything <laughs> um and that turned into like the family go-to holiday house okay. even though it was my nonno nonno's we all and it wasn't that big like it was a townhouse it was like 3 4 bedrooms a, f- a couple bathrooms, but sometimes there would be like 16, you know, cousins there with aunties and uncles. And somehow we just found a spot to sleep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, I, I have two kids, and I'll, normally at the end of the show, those that are most invested um, in the guest ask a question. Uh, I, I normally preface it a bit, but I'm just going to play it to you. This is my daughter. Mm. Um, How old is she? She's 13. Uh, her name is Sky. Um, but she operates as the pickle. That's all I'm going to tell you. Are you ready? Okay.
2: Hi, Anthony. Pickle here. Last year we watched the carols by Candlelight at Christmas and I really enjoyed it. And then you came on with your sparkly black suit and the shoulder pads, which I thought was the coolest outfit. And your singing was amazing. I thought your performance was really cool. Anyways, what I want to know is, do you have a designer or... Or do you get your clothes from a certain shop and do you pick them out?
0: So This is from a father who's come in wearing ASICs and a pair of jeans, disappointingly. so (laughs) uh, We'll get to why I wanted to play that at the start. But she and her brother, Mm. who's 11, and myself and my wife were sitting there and I'll let you answer the question but we were blown away. We were blown away by what you did and how you looked and then when you came down and sang with your husband...
1: A merry little
0: Christmas now.
1: Have a wonderful, wonderful merry Little Christmas now. Make some
0: noise, I'm not a carols by candlelight man. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stop watching it.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: The question from the pickles. <laughs> she wants to know about fashion. Oh, okay. Um,
1: I use a designer in Melbourne by the name of Cornelio, and he's a beautiful Greek boy who is very talented. And it was quite a few years ago now, I saw his stuff online and I just reached out to him and I said would you be interested in designing some things with me? And he only did female clothing. And then he's like, oh my God, I have been waiting for the day for a guy to contact me (laughs) and let's start getting creative. And I love that process. I love going in there and sketching things with him. And we literally design and develop an outfit from scratch. And we try and push the boundaries
0: <laughs> each oh, and every year. I, I love the shoulder pads. That's what got me I it love the very, shoulder pads.
1: What was the, what, what would people call it? It was very dynasty. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was like <laughs> 80s power. Like you yeah. know, like you had the V shape yep. because of the shoulder pads. But it's funny because it wasn't it was just meant to be the shoulder pads. And then once we actually made it, I looked at it and I went it's missing something. And he's like, what's it missing? And I said, do you have some sort of netting with some sort of like sparkle in it? Of and he's it like, did. yeah. And I go, can you cover the entire suit in that? And he's like, <laughs> okay. Um, he goes, that's like a really hard thing to do. And I went, I think you can do it. Come on. I said, with the lighting and everything, it's going to look spectacular. And so, yeah, no, no, nothing's too hard for him. He's brilliant.
0: The, and, and the reason it flows on and we talk about <laughs> sport is um, – a mutual friend of ours that's no longer with us, Shane Warren. Mm-hmm. And he had, so what is it, a week after, 10 days after Carol's, he had a, at a pub in Melbourne during the test match, he had a get-together, um, his family, Jackson, organised it, and all those people that could attend that were close to Shane. And, and I was there, and I'll never forget, I was chatting to Billy Brownless and Kath Loughnan, and then you walked in with Tim. And I never, ever, ever do this, Anthony. Ever, I mean, ever. I'm quite a shy person. And you came in, and I thought if my daughter was here, she would say, Dad, we need to go and introduce ourselves and say good day. And we chatted to you for 20 minutes. You went out. I think you actually said that to Yeah, me. I, I yeah. did because it had such an impact on me. Um, uh, And it was, I don't know if it was a it, celebration of Warney or, of yeah. It yeah, well, it, was. it was. It was
1: definitely a celebration of Warney. And it's funny that you say that, you know, I'm quite a shy Yes, person. I would never do it. See, I'm extremely shy as well, like on the facade. And that's the thing, like everyone always sees a performer or someone that's extremely confident and so forth. And yeah, at times, if I can be completely honest, I do feel a little bit intimidated and especially rocking up to a sports event, which which it was, which it was a sports event. And, you know, I felt nervous about no, I didn't feel nervous because I knew it was Shane's family and friends and so forth. But it's a completely different world for me. Yes. But the thing that was so beautiful about that night, it wasn't about if you played sport or no. not. It was essentially an event. Do you want to call it an event? It was a gathering to celebrate Shane and his legacy, which I thought was really beautiful that the family continued that a year on because knowing Shane... He would have wanted that. Like he totally would have wanted that. And he would have wanted everyone to drink as many fireball shots and vodka (laughs) as possible.
0: (laughs) So so you you met him in the jungle. Yeah. In, In many ways, people would say Anthony Clear, Shane Warne, chalk and cheese. But knowing Shane as I did, not really knowing you, only from the external, you're not so different after all.
1: Listen, I embarrassed myself the first time that I met him and there I am in the jungle I obviously knew of Shane Warne, and me, the dickhead, <laughs> asks him if he's a batter. Or bowler? Oh,
0: no. You didn't. You yeah.
1: did yeah. Oh no. I asked him if he was a batter <laughs> or bowler, and then he started. He was so good about it. He like, would have been. That's he the was thing so, about him. He was so beautiful about it, and he explained to me that he's known for the flipper. <laughs> and I remember like Brendan Favola yes. sitting on the side, literally, and it sparked up his ears when I asked that question because he's like how much of a dumb shit, <laughs> Anthony Kalia. And I remember when I got out of the jungle after six weeks and three days, that was the first thing that Tim, my husband, actually said to me because he loves cricket and he goes to, like, he's tried to take me to a few test matches here and there and I'm like, oh, I just don't know if it's my thing. I don't goes, think it is. The fact that you asked Shane Warne if he's a batter or bowler, it was so embarrassing. He's like, I'm watching you cringing. <laughs> but he he just handled it with such grace and he didn't make me feel like a dickhead whatsoever. And that's, that was my first interaction with Shane. And then, you know, years after that, Like the one thing that I can, the way that I describe Shane is an absolute gentleman. Sure. He's got the persona of being a party boy and all of that stuff, but he is, he was so warm. The manners. Yeah. And he was a gentleman. Mm. Like, and I saw that with everyone, like we used to go out for dinner and just like the little things, like when someone leaves the table to go to the bathroom or something, he would literally get out of his seat, like old school, you know, um, manners. And I just used to sit there going. I want to be like you when I grow up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you were, you were part of those. Functions that he would have where he'd invite people around during the cricket.
1: Mm -hmm. um, They were the great nights, And you
0: you could eat lasagna or lasagna or lasagna, maybe some bread rolls.
1: Well, it's funny that you brought out your phone before because this is what I found yesterday. What have you got? I actually found these two photos.
0: That's you in his bar (laughs) with pretty much his tongue in your ear. Yep, yep. So (laughs) so for those that aren't aware, (laughs) describe the Warnie nightclub in his own house how
1: do you describe I that? Don't there, know. Were, there were pinball machines <laughs> down there there was a screen with karaoke <laughs> there was a bar That is better than most bars that you would see when you go out. Yes, And And you would be behind it. Oh, yeah. Was the most amazing thing. The problem is, though, when Shane was behind the bar, (laughs) you literally stumbled out of his Mm. house and then you had to get up the stairs to get (laughs) out of the basement. And let's just say that you just fall back down (laughs) each and every time. I had the best nights there. And there was one night that I totally remember. I went over there. I think it was a boxing day. Was it a Boxing Day party?
0: Yeah, so he used to put it on the the second night of the test. So it was day two. So it was a Boxing Day. So it would have been the the 27th. Yeah, and um, I rocked up and it was the first time.
1: And he had a roped off area, (laughs) a roped off area in his backyard near the barbecue area. And as soon as I walked in, he goes, Ant, come here. And I went, okay. And he goes, you can sit on that side of the rope. And I went who has a roped off area? (laughs) And then there was a few people in there. And I said, why am I sitting behind the roped off area? And he goes, because they're the people that I trust. (laughs) And I went, oh, okay. And then he also gave me my own bathroom in the house. He he goes, you don't need to be sharing any bathroom with anyone else. And I go, what do you think I'm going to be doing in your bathroom? I'm not going for a poo. (laughs) So yeah, he definitely looked after me all the time. And there was another time too, because we were at Crown, it was after the Grand Prix. Of course. We went to the Grand Prix and he was there. And then we went uh, to the one of the bars, I think, at Metropole or something. And then he goes, I've organised, I've closed off, you know, Club 23, a whole section. Which is blah, his blah, blah. own
0: nightclub yes. within Crown now. Yeah. Yes. And
1: I said to him, I okay, go, cool, I'll meet you there. And he goes, you're not meeting me there. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, oh, I've got the back uh, entrance through <laughs> Crown, you know, through all the corridors. And I went, oh, okay. And so I just follow- followed him. And then all of a sudden we come out these doors and then we're literally in Club 23. And I'm like, how do you know all of the back entrances at Crown? And he's got like this swiper and everything. And then when we got there that night, I was, again, I embarrassed myself because I've rocked up to this party. It's all sports people. And now I have to make sure that I get this story right, because again, I was so embarrassed and Tim was there and he's like, you did what? So I got introduced to a couple, no, to this lady and then we're just talking and then she I said oh how do you know Shane but I didn't realize there's two Kelly Slater. are there two Kelly Slaters mm, no not, not who's not the sure. other slater then
0: cricketer ah uh, there's Michael Slater Michael Slater right. sorry okay so we got so, an opening batch and we got the 11 yes, time world surfing there champion you know.
1: so this is the story so it was Michael Slater's partner yep okay and then I literally asked her, what's it like travelling around the world, like on the surfing circuit? And she literally looked at me and went, what? Come on, come And here. she's like, oh, Michael saying I went, yeah, the surfer. You're better like, than that. I'm so bad. <laughs> you're, I'm so bad. You're better than that. And I'm literally, that. you know, married to a guy that's <laughs> so into sport.
0: <laughs> More of Anthony in a moment. Now, we have had a few singers on the show including das's favourite guest of all time, Kevin Parker, a.k.a. Tame Impala. Kev came on the show back on episode three of the Artist Series, September 2021. Kev is a musician that does it all. It's not the music that I grew up with, which was a band, what you're talking about, with, with a guitarist a, and a drummer and a singer and maybe a a keyboard player, like, Mm -hmm. what do you do? (laughs) It's such a basic question, but it's an area that I don't really have a great understanding of. So, like, how would you answer, what do you do?
2: um, The easiest way to describe it would be that I record music, like, with the same sounds that a band has, but I record all the instruments. So... So you, um, you you record them all. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Every, every yeah all all Tame Impala albums. Are just me. It's called it's called multi tracking. So you you have a song and just say so you know how it goes in your head. So you go and play. You record. You hit record. You go and play the drums and you record the song. And then then you get off and then you're listening back to yourself playing drums and you play guitar along with it. Um, and then you record that as well. So then you've got drums and guitar, uh, or then you record bass on top of that because you're just listening back to yourself playing it. It's kind of like listening back to someone else playing it. Uh, And then you sing over the top and then you've got a song with bass, drums and guitar and and a vocalist, but it's not a band, it's you. That is Kevin Parker on Episode 3 of the Artist Series.
0: Let's get back to Anthony. You were, I don't know, I can't use the word for you, I can only use the word for me, Um, privileged that Jackson rang me and said, can you play a small part in Shane's state funeral and and interview some luminaries on stage? And I didn't understand the size and scope of what I was going into until I saw the stage and the crowd. And I was pretty focused on what I had to do and to do the right thing by Shane, because as you know, he was a perfectionist and he wanted everything done the right way and that was the only thought in my head. But once I'd finished what I had to do and didn't completely butcher it, I could sit back and fully... Understand what was going on and have a chance to reflect on my mate. And then you came out and you sang.
1: Lead us to a place,
0: us with your
1: And you had the number twenty-three on
0: your top in silver and I can remember it clearly and it's the first time I probably got really emotional about what had happened to to our mate and I, I remember thinking, wow, I, I struggled to get up there and ask some basic questions. What's it like the emotional side of having to go and sing a song at someone's mm-hmm. memorial, someone's funeral, and I know you've done it in the past with Bert Newton, et cetera, but you went up on that stage, mate, and it was, What well, you've got to be careful with words, but for me it was the highlight of the night. It was the part that really hit me when you sung. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you're a performer, but it just seemed to come so much from the heart, Anthony.
1: It's um first and foremost, it's not a performance that you want to do. No, of course. And I know that may come across as a little bit insensitive or arrogant, but it's, and if I can just go back, because when I remember the exact moment that I found out that he passed, because I was in the middle of a tour. So I was in Sydney and I had two back-to-back shows and I... Thank God I put my phone on silent because I woke up the next morning and my phone was just, it was going off. And I honestly thought that I was in a dream because I was like, what's going on? And then Tim started calling me and then there was radio that started calling me wanting comments and so forth. And I'm like, I haven't even, I haven't even processed this. And then we, we drove to the next show in Sydney and I was like literally in shock, but I'm like. I have to do this show tonight. Like, I have to go on stage with the full band and do a two-hour concert. And literally while I was in Soundcheck, and this is how quickly his brother thought about it, like, I'm getting text messages from Shane's brother going, um, can you call me? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I was in the middle of Soundcheck and I called him back and then he asked me if I could sing at the memorial. And I'm like, "Wow, okay. And, like, it was just a very weird... Conversation because I'm like, this doesn't seem real. And then as time went on, because obviously it didn't happen straight away. Um then I started getting phone calls from the production company, obviously Eddie um, Jam, and Luke. Yeah, and Jam TV. Luke Tunnicliffe. Yeah. But then I just went, I feel really awkward doing this because I don't want it to be about me. And they wanted the prayer, and this is the thing like How do I say this? It's, it's one of those things where it's like, when I get out there and sing the prayer, it's so associated with me, that Mm -hmm. song. And I love that it's connected with so many people in this country, but I didn't want that performance to be about me. I wanted it to be a celebration for Shane and I actually put forward other songs and I'm just like, I feel really uncomfortable singing this song, but obviously we had a few discussions and then I agreed to singing it and I'm, I'm glad that I did But even leading up to that performance, I was in Queensland for my mum's 60th birthday. And so I flew in that day. Like, I quickly woke up that morning and I flew from the Sunshine Coast. And I think I got in at three o'clock, went straight to soundcheck. And when I walked in there at the MCG, I was just like, okay, this is not a normal memorial. Mm. And it was, I did the soundcheck. And it was like, this is weird because I'm doing a soundcheck, not for a gig. I'm doing a soundcheck for a memorial. Mm. Um, And then I went home. I literally just had a shower and got, oh, and then Con's assistant, because I asked him while, while I was in Queensland for my mum's birthday, I said, can you make me a 23 and stitch it on mm-hmm. to this harness thing that I'm going to wear over the top? And he's like, yeah, I'll do that for you. I said, but I need it like in a few days. <laughs> and, he, and he did it for me and I'm so glad that mm-hmm. I was able to have a little bit of a touch of obviously Shane's number. But then I got back to the gig and I got really nervous And they gave me like one of the boxes as a dressing room. And I'm like, this is cool though. Like, of course they've given me a box to myself. (laughs) But I don't know if you remember, it was a completely dry event. Yes, it was. And there was no way that I was walking on that stage without having a scotch or two. (laughs) And I remember they were doing bag checks, like like random bag checks. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm going in like the underground car park. I think I'm going to be okay. And then I thought to myself, I went you know what, Shane would have done that. Correct. So I'm like, I don't actually feel bad. So I actually <laughs> bought a flask God. with scotch and I had, and I remember I was walking to the stage and everyone thought it was a cup of tea because I put it in a mug <laughs> and I went, no, I'm walking onto the MCG with a scotch in a mug and people are going to think that it's a cup of tea. But I'm like, no, if I have to get through this and be relaxed and yeah. And I'm like, I don't actually feel bad because I could literally
0: hear Shane in my head going, yeah. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> How do you not let in a situation like that? A- athletes, they often talk about mm. the mental processes to get themselves in the right frame of mind. How do you go about going on stage in a situation like that and delivering your very best performance to mm. honour your mate, but not let get thoughts of your mate in your head that's going to emotionally affect what you're going out there to do?
1: Yeah, it's a really difficult, hard, sensitive head place to be in. And of course, they. Put his three children on just before me, yeah. so I'm standing side of the stage, listening to their words of their own father. And wow. I once, a, I think, I think Brooke finished it off. Right. Um, if I remember correctly, but whoever spoke last out of the three kids, I remember I put my in ears in to block them out, and I wasn't being rude. I was just like, I can't hear this, can't before, this I before I go on stage, man. and it's, I can't actually really answer that question because you just you just go into a coping mechanism headspace and you just do it and it was yeah when I saw his parents there in the front row as well like Mm. I literally just picked a spot and I'm like just don't go away from that spot and don't look at anyone and it's yeah it's probably one of the hardest yeah it was one of the hardest performances that I've done you know and it's not easy I usually say no even at family and friends funerals um the only times that I really have to do it is when my grandparents put it in their will and (laughs) they locked it in (laughs) oh yeah so um (laughs) you can't say no No. when you when they put it in their will but um yeah it's it's not the easiest gig but it's actually a privilege to be asked and that was my little you talk about you know your way of contributing to the celebration of his life and that's what it was it was clearly a celebration and it was a beautiful night under really shitty circumstances, but he would have loved that. He would have loved that. And yeah, he was a sensitive, you know, very nurturing man. But at the same time, he would have loved that there was this whole hoo-ha about him. He would have. He would have been looking at that going...
0: Yeah, he would, have, <laughs> he would have looked at his name on the grandstand. Yeah. And thought, See, So, mate, we're, we've been chatting for half an hour. We've talked about nothing but sport. We've talked about cricket. I know, we've talked right? about surfing. Look at we've me. We've talked about boogie boarding. <laughs> we've talked about sprinting. See, See i be know, this, Exactly. <laughs> There's a spot for you at Fox Cricket, but we just need to get you to ascertain whether they're batters or bowlers <laughs> yeah. and we'll be good. Or
1: surfers <laughs> or, or cricketers. Or cricketers.
0: <laughs> so, I love the start in the book about you're always described as Anthony the singer mm-hmm. and your family and, and the extended still call you, Anthony the singer, when and why does a kid growing up in Werribee start singing?
1: I don't know why. It was literally, it was clearly just embedded in me. And I remember just speaking, I uh, turning around to my mum and asking if I could sing. No one sang in my family. No one so has no, a no, no No background? No. Like my mum is tone deaf. Right. <laughs> she thinks she What's your mum's name? Santina. Hello, Santina. <laughs> <laughs> my dad... You know, he still has a bass guitar, and he never played professionally, but he just liked, you know, playing around on the bass guitar. What's your dad's name? Cosmo. Cosmo. Yeah. And that's Cosmo. My middle name. Middle name, actually. is it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, at the As a kid, I hated that name, but as I've gotten older, I'm like, I love Cosmopolitan, so, yeah, you know. <laughs> and it's
0: got that magician feel to it now. After yeah. That. Exactly. Yeah.
1: But, um, yeah, there was no musical pedigree in my family whatsoever, and... I, I clearly saw myself as a black sheep. I'm the eldest in my family. I'm the eldest out of 16 first grandchildren. Mm. Um, so it was, yeah, it was interesting to to think that I just clearly turned around one day and said I wanted to sing. And thankfully, I have really beautiful and supportive parents who went above and beyond to make sure that they could look after their kids and give them everything that they, you know physically could because my parents grew up in Werribee. It's, you know, they didn't have a shitload of money. And my mum worked two, three jobs at one stage, literally just to help, you know, with all the extracurricular activities that my brother and myself and Christina, my sister were doing. And um they were completely selfless. And the fact that they allowed me to pursue at the time as a kid was a hobby. But then it turned into a career, and I am so thankful to them because I obviously wouldn't be here without that, that support.
0: What was your first paid gig? What was the first thing you were paid for to sing at?
1: Mm. I did a couple commercials oh. as a kid, voiceovers.
0: Tell me they're on YouTube somewhere. Well,
1: no. Do you remember the Uno commercial? Oh, I love the game. So Uno is lots of fun. Uno. <laughs> is number one, skip, draw four, go wild. Yeah, that's me. But the thing is, I actually went in for that audition to be the on-air kid. And as a kid, I had a monobrow, I should say, um, and I still to this day have to pluck it three times a day, otherwise I look like Agro from Agro's Cartoon Connection. And then when Tim's standing next to me, it's like Agro and anne Marie bigger. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I went on for the on-screen talent and they looked at me clearly as a kid with a monobrow and a moustache and said, no, you're not the right look. Right. And then they asked, do you have any other talents? And I said, yeah, I sing. And so I sang for them and then I ended up getting the the audio gig. So the kid that's on the screen is using my voice. He's singing. Yeah, and then the same thing happened for Milky Way commercial.
0: Oh, can you sing that for me well, too? I like best on a sunny day when you go to
1: the corner for a Milky Way. Yeah. <laughs> That was me.
0: <laughs> I told you this man was talented. He, he just got straight in a Milky Way there. So
1: I was a kid and that's what I was doing. And then right. I started doing um, some talent competitions that my vocal coach, Liana Scarly enrolled me in and... It was it was really good because my mum kept all of this money that I was making. Like the commercials were nothing, but then sometimes when I did one of those competitions, like the prize was like a thousand bucks or fifteen hundred bucks.
0: And would you scoop it? Would you win consistently? Well, I did
1: win quite a few. I actually <laughs> right. got banned from oh. the High Point Shopping Centre Talent Quest. From Knife Point. Yeah. From Knife, you knife in there Point. Yeah. <laughs> and I also got banned from the Doncaster.
0: <laughs> The Doncaster. On oh, the Westfield. Yes. That's like the colouring competitions. If No, it the White really. Horse Plaza. Right. Yeah. So if you won too many times, there's a ban on this mm. kid from Werribee. Yep. He's scooping the pool. I was scooping the pool. It's and he's to be sort of Section 52 of the Trade Practices Act You wouldn't something. get he's away with it that. these you days. You wouldn't. No. no. Discrimination. My no. word.
1: But, <laughs> um, so yeah, I got banned from a couple singing competitions. But my mum was so good. She literally opened up a bank account for me in any winnings that I had, she used to, or any pay slips that I got as a kid, she used to put it into that bank account. And when I turned 18, I, like, I love cars. That's one thing that Do I you? love. See, like, sport. If, yeah, this is a yeah. connection to sport. Okay. If, if, I, if I won the lottery, <laughs> I, didn't know this about I would you. literally just have a garage full of cars. Right. Um, and I remember you know, I just wanted to turn 18. I was like, I want to turn 18 just so I can drive. And my nonno, he had this 190 um, Mercedes, 190E Mercedes. It was like a 1982, 83 model and it had cream leather interior seats. It had a sunroof. It was immaculate. It didn't even have um, like headrest seats at the front at one stage and then we put them in. But I said to him, I said, no, no, I really love your car. And at the time he was thinking of selling it. And he said to me, he goes, I won't sell it to anyone else. And because you're the eldest grandchild, you can buy it off me. And so he gave me, you know good deal, cash under the table, of <laughs> like the <hogs> do, <laughs> and um, that I used the money that I earned as a kid to pay for my first car, because that was my dad's number one rule. You want a car, you pay for it yourself. I can't Lord. buy you a car. And so, yeah, I, I was so lucky. Here I am as an 18-year-old kid from Werribee, wow. driving around in this really beautiful 190E little Mercedes, and I just loved it. I loved it. I thought that I was like top shit, man. <laughs>
0: Very briefly, you've just won your $50 million. What's the the first car you're buying?
1: I think I would like a Bentley Continental.
0: Okay. I can Mm -hmm. see you in that. Yeah.
1: Big, Yeah, But I want, like, white leather interior. Of course you do. With a black exterior. Okay. So you have thought about this. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd also just get a Rolls Phantom because, you know, deep down I am a wanker.
0: (laughs) But you can admit it. So yeah. That's okay. But then
1: you know my everyday car would just be like a G wagon, you know, oh. just to go to Woolies and so okay. forth. Yeah. Okay. You know, to the post office. So
0: that's three we're up to now. What, yeah. surely of Italian heritage? You need some form of little scooter just to sort of sneak around. Listen. I am accident prone. Okay. I need sensors and airbags. (laughs) Which you don't get on your typical scooter. No. (laughs) Before we get to idle and the impact it had on your life, I noticed, and we often talk in the player profiles about certain jobs, but you performed a role, and I read this, as a wedding singer. And that mm. filled me with joy. What, what, like, what is it like being a wedding singer? Oh, I loved it, did you? Of course. I you actually did. loved it because
1: at the time, between the age of like 16, 17, and when I did Idol, I was doing corporates. I had up to 36 private students that I was teaching. Um, I was doing weddings constantly. I was working at, well, I, I started working at my dad's pub at one stage. And then I moved to a cafe in Werribee once they sold that pub. So I was busy and I loved that because here I am, like, I don't know, I've got a really good work ethic and I get that from my parents. Like, I don't like sitting at home watching TV or doing nothing. Like if there's something that I can be doing and if it can make me money, then I will do it. And I had that as a kid. (laughs) So like there were weeks where I'd be like. And even on the tips on the um, restaurant floor, I used to work at like no tomorrow. Did you? Yeah, sometimes I used to just like rely on my tips. Those were the days when people actually tipped. How do you work a
0: tip? <laughs> like well, just over the top service? Good charm. No, of course <laughs> you so You just had to walk in and give them a smile and away you go. Okay, I'm learning from the best now. Yeah,
1: But no, I love doing weddings because it was literally a fun night. Everyone's there to have fun. So as the entertainment, no one's judging you. It's really chilled. And basically an hour into the gig... Everyone's hammered, so
0: you can't go wrong.
1: You can't go wrong, <laughs> and they come up to the band and they go, "Can I sing we And there. I'm like, "Yeah, no problem, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> can I sing with you?" <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> that is the end of Anthony Clear, Part A. Do not miss Part B.